Hey everyone and welcome to 121 in Flux, I am Peter, that is Connor, and this is our show where we talk about old movies, and when I say old, I just mean older than sort of the last decade or so. Not old, old, just not contemporary. You're getting really specific with this this, this episode. Well, you know, I like to change it up, I like, like to be accurate in my, in my descriptions. Mm. Until I'm not, and then I don't care. Uh, so we're going to talk about Aliens, because we're working our way through the Alien franchise, uh, sort of gradually up until May, when uh, the new one, Alien Covenant, hits, which obviously we're going to uh, cover. But uh, So we're, we're working our way through the series. We've already done Alien, that's already up. There'll be a pop-out link in the corner right about now. Yeah, that direction. And... Yeah, so obviously we're going to do 3, we're going to do Resurrection, we're going to do Prometheus. We're saving AVP, because there's a new Predator movie next year. And if we save the AVP movies for that series, it means we'll have 5 this time and 5 next time. So nice and even. But yeah, so we're going to have Aliens. I'm just going to give you a blanket spoiler warning right from the get-go. I don't see the point in tiptoeing around Aliens. If you've not seen it, you're a fool. <laughs> Go watch Aliens. What have you been doing with your life? Also, if you've not seen Aliens at this point, why are you watching this? You know it's good. You've heard that a million times. This, this isn't news. There's there's truth there's truth in this. Uh, I will add it up with you're also a Muppet. Muppet, go watch Aliens. Then come back and uh, listen to us ramble. Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about Aliens. Uh, of course, this is very different from the first film. Uh, mm-hmm. And much like the first movie, like we're, we're going to cover topics, we're going to pick things to discuss. Uh, but it's kind of we may not go through it in the typical sense where we go through the plot because it is a movie that a I've seen so many goddamn times, and b everyone's already talked about aliens a lot. We don't need to go through the yeah. beats necessarily in the same way that we usually do. So yeah, uh, aliens, uh, very different. Uh, mm. Not just the one, as the title would. Uh, very accurately suggest. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I love Aliens. It's uh, we we can debate later on about comparing it to the first movie. Although I think it's rather a, a pointless yeah. I was say, I think it's hard to compare them because it, sure they're the same franchise, but they're not trying to do the same things at all. In my mind, they both succeed. In doing exactly what they're trying to do, but they're just so different. That that is yeah, that's a good way of putting it. The James Cameron's film is not trying to repeat the first film. It's certainly set in the same world. It takes a lot of cues from it. It takes a lot of things, but it advances it in a way that really, at least for me, became the gold standard of what a sequel should try and do. Is you take the the scenario, the premise of the first film, and you advance in the world. Because uh, I think mm. of the first movie of Alien, you, you have this group of, essentially, truckers in space, this this freighter kind of group that are just yeah. trucking this hall, whatever it is. And we never see civilization. We never see a space station. We never see any other characters. It's just a small group. The only information we have of the outside world is anything they mention, or we maybe, maybe they get messages from the company and the computer. We never see anything else. Like you imagine this this bigger ecosystem, this bigger world of life, uh, colonized planets, and because they've got space travel, they're, they're, they're taking this from somewhere back home. So you, yeah. there's obviously different outposts, different planets that they can go to. And then this movie it gives us more of that world. It gives us the military. It gives us more of the company that we heard about, Will and Jutani, and how, how do these structures work together. Uh, what is going on? We we learn more about colonization. We learn more about all this stuff. Uh, so it opens up the world uh, in that sense, and especially the colonial marines. The, the military side of it's been used like almost every video game based in the Alien franchise uses colonial marines. Almost. I think every... it's just because it's just easier. Part part of it's easier. Uh, also, I, th- I feel like if you d- if you did the uh, the first movie sort of scenario where it's just a group of random characters who don't have military training running into a single alien, it just feels like you're repeating the first movie. Whereas with Marines, you can do different things with that. You can have them yeah. investigating something, you can have them stumble on something, you can have them... And depending on the setup and how many Marines you've got, what is their mission, you can, you can do different yeah. things with it. Uh, but, you know, it, it brings back an android, it brings 
but it, again, it does something different within it. it. It really plays with the idea that it is 50 plus years later from, from the first I movie. Think even just the fact that the entire genre of the film is different, is at, at its core level, is so different for a sequel that it feels like it completely stands on its own as well. Oh, it does. And I think that's actually really, really smart. I, I feel like mm. I wish more sequels, especially when it's something like this, where... I mean, imagine you see an alien, right, in 1979, or in the first few years after that, right? You see Alien, it's this this haunted house movie, essentially, in space, with on a ship with one alien hunting them down. It's a horror movie. It's a ten little Indians stalking them one by one killer mm-hmm. movie. You go to see another movie, randomly, and maybe in 1985, and a trailer comes on, and it becomes clear that it's a sequel to Alien. At the end of the trailer, you just hear a voice say, "This time it's war." What is going through your head? It's it's just it immediately tells you it's completely different, doesn't it? And I think it avoids it falling into the trap that a lot of horror movies do with their sequels, where a lot of them are just the first movie again, but with different characters. Yeah, and I think there's also traps you could fall into. Though I feel like you could take a lot of other horror movies that are you know good singular movies, and then they have a sequel, but if you did the same thing to them that Cameron did here, where they say, oh, let's open it up and make it a different genre, make it an act, like, take, uh, I don't know, this is a stupid example, take Jaws, right? Mm. <laughs> take Jaws, and then you said, right, the second one, it's going to be like an army of sharks, and there's going to be like tons of boats, and they're going to, like, it would be stupid and ridiculous, and it would take away all of the, everything that made it work would go away. Yeah, because you've got to keep it so the first one still feels like it's important. Like, it's still got to feel threatening, even though there's more of them now. Oh, yeah. Like, see if see if there was just one alien in this movie. It wouldn't actually be that big of a problem. It might take out a few marines, but the marines would kill it pretty quickly. Like, yeah. You see them mow them down in this. like that. It, it, it's, it's upping the stakes because you see them mow down uh, some aliens at the start. I, I think when they're leaving the first big sort of conflict moment, like, they mow down at least half a dozen. Yeah, definitely. And 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 then there's the sentry guns later and whatnot. But speaking of sentry guns, that that leads me to probably the the first thing that we should really get into is we watched the we rewatched for this the special edition cut. Yes. Uh, you weren't sure before you watched this which version you'd seen before. Was this the same one? It was, yes. Right. Okay. Um, so I have no idea what's actually different. I just because well, let's this talk is about the that. knowledge I've had. Let's yeah. talk about that. Uh, Enlighten me. So some of this may shock you. What's not in the theatrical cut when i tell you now it, it might i think uh i mentioned it to a friend so i was like hey do, do you know which one we'd seen like because well, mm. i went to see it with uh with a friend at, at the cinema a few years ago as, as a first time and he was like uh yeah i'm pretty sure it was a special edition because the, the stuff with the family isn't there yes well yeah the the scene where ripley finds out about her daughter isn't in the theatrical cut that's completely gone really uh, yeah the the st- everything you see on LV two four six before the marines get there not there, you never see that place before they arrive. Hmm. Uh, everything with the sentry guns not there. It's a lot of footage. Well, yeah, it's a good fifteen minutes something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Just, that's, that's a big chunk that it, that it adds back in here. Well, as as uh, the the introduction on the Blu-ray, yeah, Cameron, <laughs> which auto plays when you go to the special edition because I wasn't expecting it. I, uh, it, it surprised me as well. Even though I've watched the Blu-ray like several times at this point, I, I, I always forget. It's just this quick twenty-second thing where Cameron explains this is his preferred version of the film. This was the the ride he intended us to take, as he puts it in the, the intro. Uh, I think, I mean, I prefer the special edition, right? I think mm. the, the Ripley Daughter stuff is important. I also like the Sentry Gun stuff. It gives a bit more tension to that middle bit of the film and uh, this idea that it, more of a sense that the aliens are trying to get in and they fail this one way, so they're, they're trying other ways. It adds a bit yeah. more depth to that. I do think there's an argument for taking out all the LV246 stuff, though, before they get there. Keeping the mystery? Keeping the mystery. I, I think for me, it's because it reminds me of... Uh, Anyone who knows me knows that I'm a big fan of survival horror video games, stuff like Resident Evil and that kind of thing. And a big part of the appeal to Resident Evil or me is that you get there after the things happened and you slowly discover what happened, what was the event that went down. I think what I'd find interesting is in the, the theatrical cut then, everything we know about you know, like Newt's family, we would learn at the same time as, as Ripley. As, as Ripley, yeah. And we'd be on that journey with her, whereas in this case we have advanced knowledge. Yeah, because I, I, I think I like that, because the first time I saw it, I saw the theatrical cut. Like, I saw the theatrical cut first. 
And as much as I prefer the, the special edition for all the other stuff, I do think there, there's an argument to be made that the, the mystery of them arriving there, and we have never seen this place before. It's just mm. like, this is the aftermath of something going down, and we're with Ripley and the Marines as they discover what's happened. And I kind of like that. I also think it also completely removes the fact that, I think in the theatrical cut, you never find out that it, it was uh, Newt's family that found the, the ship with the eggs. You never get right. that knowledge. And that bit does feel a little bit coincidental to me, that it happened to be Newt's family that first encountered yeah, them. Yeah, it's not really important, is it, that, it, that it's not. either way. So, again, you, t- you remove that little bit of coincidence that I wasn't so keen on, and you keep the mystery for the rest. As I said, I, don't think it also, I, don't, I also don't think it ruins the movie. I actually, the scenes in and of themselves are fine. Like, uh, the, the, yeah. the workers on the on LV246 talking about... Uh, the salvage, and we see we see the kids playing around on little tricks. Yeah, you, 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 the same way we're arguing. Oh, you could see it from their perspective when they arrive and see the devastation. It's also nice seeing the contrast as well. Like this is what normalcy is yeah. on this planet before this. And again, very good, well put together editing where Ripley finds Ripley's at the meeting where she's explaining to the company what happened on the ship on the Stromo in the first movie, and they think she's crazy. They make her they get they take away her license to uh, uh, to, to do her work, and they they tell her because she she asks like, wait a minute, you said people have been on here for tw- on that on that moon for twenty years, what people? And he's like, oh, 70, 60 families, and she's like families, and she she pauses and like contemplates that, and it cuts to the on the so it, it neatly fits in, but yeah. It also works without it. I, I think you could take that mm. stuff out. That that is the one stuff in the special edition where I think I might have preferred it to be left. Out. I'd agree. The the stuff with her daughter, I think, is essential because it continues the the theme of motherhood. Obviously, was yeah. present in the first I mean, one. Do, it's do, very do, present here as well. Don't get me wrong. It did it did work without. Like the the theatrical cut still worked, and it was still a fantastic movie. But it definitely adds a layer when you add yeah. in that scene. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, that's the only thing. I mean, there might be a little snippets, but that's the only. That's the big stuff. That's the stuff that you you really yeah. remember and you'd, you'd point out. Uh, but yeah, so that that's that's that. I, I think I want to talk about characters uh, for a bit because obviously we mentioned Ripley, we mentioned the whole the, the whole mother daughter relationship thing, and she she sort of like Newt's becomes a surrogate daughter almost, and she found out that her daughter died. Oh. At sixty six, she didn't die young, but she was asleep for fifty plus years. Yeah, and she she wakes up. By the way, I do. I feel like I'm nitpicking here, and I love this movie to death. But I just one thing. So Ripley gets found at the start of the movie, and by the way, I love that laser scanner thing. Uh, yeah, it's it, cool, isn't it? Because it, all the smoke that's in the in the room sort of like drifting through it, and it looks really cool. Yeah, <laughs> as it's, as it's scanning. But she, she she wakes up, and Jonesy's there. Cat's cat lived. Yeah, uh, and Paul Reiser comes in, uh, Burke, and he 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 tells he gives all this exposition. Oh, you were asleep for fifty seven years, yada yada yada, and then it turns out to be a dream, and she has a chest buster, and she wakes up. It, I want to nitpick that just a little bit because all that information is actually accurate. <laughs> See, the way I interpret it is. Mm is that that meeting did actually happen mostly in that way. Oh, of course it probably did, And then does, she yeah. dreams just with the extra bit at the end. So she'd already had pretty much the same mm. thing, maybe earlier that day. So, Yeah, because we even yeah. see that the nurse that was in the scene, she she, she calls her in the, the comms yeah. afterwards to see if she's okay because she's, she's having trouble sleeping. Uh, but again, it's made her. Like, I've seen this like a hundred times. So you, you, start, yeah. you start noticing little things. Oh, maybe... Uh, what's funny actually is I actually was second guessing something that is actually explained in the movie I was thinking this is really coincidental that this all goes down on LV246 just after she wakes up after they've been there for 20 years and it only just happens but it's actually explained later in the movie because you find out Burke was the one that sent them out there uh, yeah. from his knowledge from Ripley it's like oh because right. I was going to argue maybe there should be more of a time change like from, you know when she first woke, woke up to yeah, when everything yeah. goes down but they actually explain it later on it's actually not a coincidence and I'm like yeah it's fine that's just me forgetting the later yeah. explanation for it uh, as I'm watching it but so Ripley's got the whole mother daughter thing and what I really like about all that stuff is that obviously the, the marines don't know how to talk to you whereas Ripley does because she's a mother she's already had a kid she mentions her kid was about to be 11 uh, yes. before she went in the, on the trip and what I really like is that Ripley's arc over the movie is not only one of uh, the the motherhood stuff, but it's also one of strength. She starts off very, I don't want to say feeble, 
but she's very scared to go. She doesn't want to go, and she there's lots of moments of hesitation. When uh, the first moment she well, not the first good moment she has. The first moment she has with Hicks is actually when she's got the the power loader and she's uh, mm. learned to use it. But and he kind of smiles because oh, she's oh, she's kind of badass. Look at that. Uh, but. It's when the, the the Marines first go into the complex and they kind of they say it's clear and Ripley's like it's not clear. I was on a ship with this thing. That's not clear at all. It could be scattering yeah. around. But they're going in, and Ripley hesitates at the door, and she's standing in the rain. And I'll, I love all, all this outside stuff. By the way, it looks great. Uh, and Hicks turns around and he's like, "Are you, are you okay?" You know, he, he pulls an arrow and he's like, "Are you okay?" And she's like, "Yeah." And she but she just hesitates and it's like they have this little moment where he's kind of tries to just make sure she's alright but it's just like she's hesitant and when they find Newt and she crawls into the thing and she get, grabs a hold of Newt and Newt's kind of struggling she's trying to get away and she's like it's okay it's okay we're not going to hurt you it's okay it almost sounds like she's trying to convince herself as well as well as convincing her it is and uh, it's so understandable it's the, the marines they're not running in there it's not a show of arrogance or straight it's, it's genuine ignorance they don't realize she is scared on experience oh yeah they're cocky like vasquez and all that they're like oh yes and uh hudson was like oh we're badass mf yeah, yeah. They, they don't realize what it is and i like that she is scared because i don't think it makes her seem weak it just makes her seem she knows she she understands oh yeah when i when i'm saying we i just mean that she she's scared her experiences have made her uh, vulnerable, I guess. Yeah, she has to overcome the fear later in the movie. Yeah, and she does throughout the movie. And e- even one of the scenes I really like on is seeing that when they're still in the Sulaco, which is the, the marine ship that's taking them to uh, LV-246, and they all wake up, and she feels kind of awkward around the the the, 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 the colonial, the, the marines, right? And they're all having breakfast and stuff, and she seems out of place. She seems like a separate, different table and all that. And they go to the, the sort of the main the dock, the main loading bay. Mm. And the marines are all collected around and Gorman's given these right, this is what we're doing, blah 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 blah. It's a bug hunt, we're going down there, so on and so forth. And he says someone asks a question, what are we fighting? And he's like, Right, Ripley, this is your you're here as a consultant, you consult. And she steps up and she's really nervous and she sort of steps forward and she's like, I'll, I'll tell you what I know. And she's kind of like emotionally going through it. Like she's telling the story about Kane and the chestbuster and she's kind of breaking up a little bit. And the Marines, as they've been doing, kind of interrupt her and sort of joke around. Uh, Vasquez says, like, you know, where are they? And Hudson says something. And they'll basically, they're just the way they are. Yeah. And Ripley, that that scene, that, that scene when she's talking to them, it almost feels like a, a, a condensed, encapsulated version of her arc. Because in that scene, she starts off kind of nervous and weak and whatever, and then when they start fooling around and not taking it seriously, she's like, listen to me, goddammit. That thing mm. killed my entire... And she stands up and she makes them listen. She finds her strength, her energy, and she makes them take her seriously for a second. And it's it's just that scene almost, to me, it's like, here's what the arc of this movie is for her. She's going to be... Yeah, pretty much. And then she gets strong at the end, and that's that works. And then you had, you had the, the relationship with Newton and that her, her motherly instincts kick in. And what I kind of like is it's almost like a an extension of the cat <laughs> from the first movie. Yeah, it is. With Jonesy. Like, giving her someone to fight for gives her the strength to actually fight. Like, if she was on her own, she might not actually be this strong, be this uh, determined. But giving her someone to save is actually yeah. uh, a big part of it. Uh, it's what makes her a hero and not just a survivor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you, you see that, again, throughout, when everything goes down in the complex, the, the first big thing when they find the, the bodies and stuff, and the marines start dying left and right, and Ripley takes control and like drives the APC into the compound to try and save people. Mm. And it's funny there because that's actually the one moment in the film where Burke almost convinces you that he might be an all right guy because he holds because Gorman's trying to stop her because he's a scaredy little shit. <laughs> and, yeah, and Burke calls him back and you think, oh, maybe Burke will turn out to be an okay guy. Uh, of of course not. He, he goes back to his smarmy, sleazy ways. Exactly what seconds. you expect. <laughs> he is. But I think I think his character is important because I think the real surprise arc is maybe more Bishop because you expect the android to turn out to be a problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it gives it this sense of humanity that he actually does turn out to be someone who cares and tries to help. And it's it's one of those things that works because it's a sequel. Like it, mm. it it's kind of alright on its own because you expect okay android maybe they're not reliable. If, if, assuming you'd never seen the first one. Yeah. But in context, it's it's we know 
what she's been through. So we, our only experience is the same experience that she's had. So we kind of inherently don't trust this thing. Yeah, and it, 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 again, it gives the movie a bit of a heart about humanity. Beyond obviously the new stuff's the real heart, but it, Bishop's this extra layer of heart where, like, humanity is more because he, he's almost like there to contrast Bjork in a lot of ways. Where Bjork is, uh, sure, he's a human being, but he's awful, and he's he's doing everything for financial gain. Like his plans get really seedy when he's trying to like impregnate Ripley and Newt. Which, by the way, that whole that whole idea, that whole plan, it feels very ingrained into sort of the like male dominance and abuse of women like the, the whole idea that they just exist for him to yeah. carry his product you know it, it is notable how he picks the women to go in there for yeah. it isn't it yeah it's, it's, it's very very on the nose but it works really well yeah uh, and even you who's a kid he doesn't even care she, she's just a carrier for my thing that's yeah. you know my my baby <laughs> that's what but yeah, Bishop kind of counteracts that because he is the thing you think isn't human, but he actually does have a heart and he does become more human as it goes on. And it's that idea that there is more to humanity than just flesh and blood. And it's kind of like what Ripley said when when they all find out about Bjork and the, she's like going through what his plan was and she says, I don't know which species is worse, us or them. You don't see them try to F each other over for a percentage. And yeah. she's got a point. I mean, these things, sure, they're killing machines, but they're just acting to their it, it's, almost, it's just animalistic isn't it yeah they're just animals they're just doing what they think they're supposed to do essentially yeah. uh, I mean they're smart animals admittedly so it makes them seem a bit, feel a bit vicious but ultimately yeah. they're not doing it for any sort of gain over another member of their own species it's just this no. is what our species does it's no different to if if, if a lion if you walk into a lion cage and then it attacks you you're not going to be surprised by it are you no, no it's just it's a lion it's doing its thing <laughs> exactly. The, the alien is essentially an extension of that. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's why aliens, beyond just the really fun design and action and monster stuff, it, I think that's why it works really well. It's why Sigourney Weaver got nominated for an Academy Award when it came out, which at the time was super goddamn notable, is because it does have these these this commentary almost in human behaviour and the relationship with Newt. And that that arc, that 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 strength that she finds, the determination that she finds over, over the course and of the movie. I, I think to that, it's very important that it's ultimately a, a queen that she is up against as the the final. Oh test yeah, it's another strength. mother. It's, 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 yeah, it's it's the ultimate mother essentially. It's mother v's mother at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, protecting their young, and the queen's pissed because Ripley kills her young. Exactly. So, so it's it's vengeance time. But... It almost makes the queen somewhat sympathetic in that sense. In that. She's just doing the same thing that Ripley is to an extension. And adding back into the whole like escalation of uh, stakes, like the, the idea that when Ripley's like leaving, she's in the APC and she's like she's got some of the, the marines that have survived back in, and she's driving out. There's that moment where the 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 alien jumps on the on the APC and she almost grabs her, but she like knocks it down, and then she runs over and it squishes its head under the wheel, and it feels like. How hard was this for her to deal with one alien in the last movie? And in this movie, she just crushed it easily. It's got to feel satisfying, hasn't it? If you, yeah, it feels kind of... I think if you've seen the first movie, that moment feels really like, yeah, like, come at me now. Yeah. <laughs> I love that bit as well there where she's just... She has to get away. She Even even though she's just kind of crushed that one, she doesn't feel like she can stop and let up the vehicle. She just has to push it as hard as it can, as far away as they can. It's still running, even though she is taking them out. Yeah, but she's not... Yeah, she's not... Yeah, she's, she kind of just keep because that's the point where uh, Hex comes up. He's like, "Hey, you're just grinding metal. We're yeah. stop. We're clear. We're out <laughs> from the place." Blah blah blah. Uh, which actually I mentioned in that moment, there's a jump. There's a jump uh, scare uh, as they're closing the door to the APC. Mm. Like they've just get in, and Hex is closing the door, and the, the alien hands just grab it. I know where that's coming every time I watch that, but I jump Still every jump. time. I know every single time. I don't know what it is. I think it's the way it's edited. It's so offbeat to the edit. You can't works. help it, can you? Yeah. It just even though you know it's there, it still throws you. Because this time I was literally going, "It's about to hit! It's about to hit! It's about to hit!" <laughs> like, it's still, it's still not quite where you expect it. It's, it's just not, off. It's really, really well done. It's, it's, it's not a movie with a lot of jump scares, but it's probably the only one. But it's a really good one. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good one. There's a, obviously, there's a lot of aliens waking up behind people and whatnot. It looks all good. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the rest of the characters, but part of the thing that I think makes also makes aliens work so well. Is that even, obviously there's some people who just die in the the first bit that you don't know, but there's a lot of characters in this, and you feel like a lot of them are quite memorable. 
yeah, obviously, definitely. you're left with Hicks, Hudson, Vasquez, and Gorman uh, sort of after that initial conflict. Yeah. But even going in there, like, you know Frost, you know Drake, you know Apon. And by the way, Apon is like one of the most quotable. He's, he's only got like maybe like 20 lines in this movie, but they're all goddamn memorable. Uh, see when they wake up, because he's obviously the, 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 the sergeant or whatever, and he's mm. he's like, you know, uh, an old day in the core. I love the course. A day in the farm. Every meal a banquet. Every paycheck a fortune. And, you know, uh, assholes and elbows is another great line. Uh, but my favourite is probably when, uh, at the end of the whole briefing scene, mm. is when he's like giving out, barking out orders and he tells everyone, but Hudson, of course, was acting like a shit during the meeting. He's like, Hudson... Uh, oh, it's not at the end, sorry, it's during the middle. It's when Hudson makes a quip. He says something stupid. And uh, Apon just goes, You secure that shit, Hudson. And it's the way he says it, it's just yeah. gold. I think what it is is that they're all so distinct. And also, they're, they're, obviously, all their armors are all kind of, they got their decorative things, so they all feel individual. So you can see them all at a glance, even in the dark. You know exactly who's who just, even before they speak. What's fair about that? I'm about to drop some knowledge from the uh, the making of doc on the the Blu-ray because it's good three three plus hours long making of. It's fantastic, worth watching. Uh, they all did that themselves to their armor. They personalized all their own armor, except Michael Bean, who had to replace someone. So the guy who was already there already decorated all his armor. So he's got like a heart on his that he's like, <laughs> I don't want this. <laughs> Everyone else got to do theirs. That makes sense. Uh, but yeah, they all they all did that themselves because they went to like a, a boot camp thing where they all learned to. Uh, and Apo, and the guy who plays Apo was actually in the military, so he has. All oh, right. So if that feels especially natural and like realistic, how he's given out orders. I like how they they got someone for for the the commander to do that. Yeah, yeah. The like, one... like, you're in charge. You pull the authority and make it feel real. Yeah. Apparently, uh, like the APC at one point when they were filming, the the roof of that caved in. Uh, so it was. It wasn't. I don't think it was super dangerous, but it, it was like a sort of incident in the yeah. moment. And apparently he went into his like old training where he just started like moving everyone, and he knew like he he, mm. he took command of the situation in real and just got everyone yeah. out. And uh, it's just interesting to hear stuff like so that. So, what useful to have around your set then? Yeah. Um. But yeah. So what I like about the characters as well is that a lot of them do have arcs. Not not the ones who die in the first chunk, obviously, but all the ones who are left after that. They all have their own little arc. Uh, one that I love about Hudson. Right? Obviously, actually, we should mention here we're talking about Hudson. Let's talk about Bill Paxton for a second, because yeah. We recorded the Alien review a little bit in advance, and then by the time it went up, John Hurt had died. And that was hurtful. We put a little message at the start of the video, and that's why we didn't mention it, because we recorded it before we did it. Uh, This time, just before we did the Aliens review, Bill Paxton passed away, which is a real shame. Uh, I I love Bill Paxton. He's, He's the only guy in movie history to be killed off by an alien, a predator, and a Terminator. I mean, that's a feat that no one can claim but him. Uh, that was a real shame. That's, I feel like maybe it's just because we're you know we're a little bit older now, but I feel like I'm starting to see a lot of celebrity deaths that are a lot more affecting because I'm familiar with their work. I care about them a lot more. Uh, and Paxton was a. Uh, I think with him it was a bit more shocking as well because he was still relatively young. Yeah, he was only I think sixty one was the it's about sixty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was like complications after after surgery. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's a shame. He's an actor. I mean, I love John Hurt as well, don't get me wrong, but uh, Bill Paxton was in a lot of things I was watching growing up. Like, I was maybe I shouldn't have been watching these movies growing up, but <laughs> I was. Uh, you know, this, Predator 2, Terminator, and uh, a bunch of True Lies, of course, he was in. Uh, Titanic, he was in. You know, he twist a yeah. lot of stuff. And, and a lot of stuff. And it's, that, that, was a, that was a real shame when I heard that. That, that was... In fact, I think you... I think we were on Skype together when I found out, and you seen my, yeah. you seen my yeah. reaction. <laughs> but, yeah. but Hudson... Hudson as little as this may seem, he does have an arc. Oh, he does. Because, obviously, he's, he's cocky, he's pompous, and he's like, ah, oh, check it out. He says, like, check it out, like, five times when they're in the, the ship uh, going down. Uh, but he, he, when everything goes down, and then, the you know, the aliens get their, their evac ship, and that crashes. He's like, oh, man, that's great. Game over, man. Game over. You know, the famous line. And he's freaking out. He freaks out in front of Newt and all the rest of it. And that's one of the things I love about that scene as well, is not only does Ripley grill him out and see how Newt here survived for however many months without any training, is that even before she says anything, you can see that she's more annoyed at Paxton for saying all this in front of Newt. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, don't stop, you're going to scare her. Like, you want to freak out, it's annoying in and of itself, but you're going to scare the kid. Yeah, Shut it's, up. It's, it's the motherly instincts kicking yeah. in again. But what I like about that is, 
Newton Newton Hudson have this weird kind of connected arc where Newt gets the the word affirmative from Hudson and she says it a couple of times. She says it in this scene and she says it at the, the end of the movie as well before she goes to sleep. And Hudson, you know, is like, oh, why don't you put her in charge? So on and so forth. And later on in the scene when they're tra- Ripley and uh, Newt are trapped in the room and the facehuggers are there. And obviously the Burks turned at the camera and eventually the Marines come and they smash in the window and they all come in. And Newt's got the facehugger trapped against the wall. It's like uh, she's got the tail like behind the table. Yeah. And I love that she calls out for Hudson. Like she knows his name and she calls for him. And Hudson comes over, pulls her aside and kills it. And he has this little heroic moment where he saves Newt. And it feels like... I don't know, it, just, it feels like he has a little bit of redemption. Kind for, of like a... It's like a big brother. Yeah, he has he's this... He's a dick, but yeah. he's, there's still affection there. Yeah, he has this little bit of redemption and it feels like she's learned something from him. And this is, of course, not too long before he eventually dies, but it feels like before he died, he got a chance to not be a chicken shit. <laughs> I love in that one as well, like, he goes all out trying to kill the face of it, like... He puts a lot of bullets out into it. Oh yeah, he's pl- he wastes he wastes rounds, valuable rounds. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then over on the other side, it's like one burst. That's it. Yeah. That's all we need. Yeah, Hex is very very uh, considerate with his very economical. Yeah, whereas he's like, oh, you try to touch Newt, you little shit. And he... yeah, I think that's very like about it. It's it's just a, a gut reaction. It's like, nope, can't mm. let this happen. Just yeah. it goes over the top just to ensure that that she's safe. Yeah. Uh, but it's a, it's a nice little. It's, it's it's not a super in your face arc. It's it's subtle, mm. but it's there, and they have this little this little thing. Uh, Vasquez and Gorman. Gorman, of course, is kind of at fault for a lot of things because he, he's he's a rookie essentially at, at his job, even though he's in charge. And he gets he, Vasquez blames him, and he's he's knocked out after the initial thing. Vasquez wants to kill him. When he wakes up, she's standing outside the room, <laughs> and she's like kind of intimidating. And there's this thing where Gorman, from that point on, like tries to be better and tries to help and. He goes back for Vasquez when she gets in trouble, and they have their moment where they sort of sacrifice themselves together with the grenade. And even that feels like a little bit of art where she's earned a little bit of respect for him because yeah, he's, he's trying he's to do putting his thing. life on the line as well. Yeah, so it's even, like he, he may not be experienced, but he's still got the yeah the, the same heart at the core of it that the rest of them have that he'll do the right thing. So even them little arc. There's like yeah. for a movie with this many characters, there's enough arcs in there that make them feel more than just paperweights. Mm. So. No, uh, good strong characters. Uh, really, really like that. Uh, so speaking of the, the military stuff, one of the, one of the design things I I sort of noticed because I was kind of looking for things, you know, little things to comment on when I was watching it this time. Uh, one of the things that I noticed that I really appreciate is uh, in the first movie, the uh, ship design. Obviously, the ship design is very different, but one of the things I like is that everything in the first movie is very circular. They're their cryopods were in a circle. Mm. The dinner table in their dining area was a, it was more homely and family. Even though it was still a, a working ship, it was very communal. Yeah. It was like a bunch of work friends coming together and they've got a circular table where they have dinner together. Uh, cut to this ship, the sleeping pods are all in a straight line. And yeah. then the dining hall is straight like benches and lines like a, like a school dinner yeah, hall. Yeah, it's, it's very straight, lots of angles, yeah. like, harsh lines. It's very militaristic, and that maybe that sounds obvious, but I mean it's very regimented, and it's it is it, it feels like the the previous film the the ship is very much a, it's just kind of a regular workaday thing, and it's just it's it is very almost relaxed, it's casual, whereas this is no this is a it, it feels like government ordered, yeah. like this well, is by the book as as economical as it can be. One of the things it does do though is it it does open and once we get to the ship, it does have that thing where it. We we get some shots of the ship around before they wake up. It does that. It sort of mimics mm. that from the first movie, uh, and we see it, and it looks very clean and neat and everything yeah. as you'd expect on a military ship. Uh, and also the music there. There's some callbacks to the first. Uh, there's like a little sort of motif that sort of plays it. It's only early on in the film. It's when there's like bits like this where it's uh, kind of yeah. before the because later on it gets to the point where it's just all these harsh drums and da 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 da. there's a there's a lot of stuff with the music that was rushed. Rush, do you think? Oh, absolutely. Uh, James Horner has, has infamously gone on record no, saying but that... Do you, do you think it sounds rushed? In degree, I, I think it sounds very standard. It felt it feels quick, if you know what you're listening for, in the sense that it's not very complex. There's a lot of cheap tricks that he's employed, just because, obviously, at that level, he knows a lot of the tricks, and usually you, you fluff them all up and do little extra things with them to differentiate them, whereas this, it's like, nope, this is just going straight in as it is. 
just because it's got to because I've run out of time. Yeah, I, I do recall uh, hearing that the Hemming Cameron had a lot of disputes about the soundtrack on this, and they they parted ways for a long time. They eventually made up, and he did Titanic. So, they, yeah, yeah. They, but he didn't want to work with him at all after that. Like they, they hated each other's guts for a little while. Yeah. I know. Um, he, I know he, he went on record as saying uh, he bastardized a lot of his own work from the the two Star Trek films that he did. Mm. Um, a lot of the cues in this are very similar to that because. They were just Typically, there. And I, just I, I like James Horner a lot, like his music. I like a lot. Yeah, but there's actually he kind of did that a lot though uh, through a lot of his scores. Uh, he did. If you look up on YouTube, you can find like uh, like some people have like taken little bits of two films that he's done and compared yeah, yeah. them. Yeah, um, All these big composers do. No, but him more so than any of them. Oh, I don't know. Zimmer's pretty awful for it. No, no, I'm serious. Look at one of these comparisons, Connor. You. Oh no, I've seen I've seen the the things that you're talking about. I mean, I've had entire lectures on just his music. Yeah, but, but it's more than like you can show the similarities with Zimmer stuff. You you can see it, you can hear it even. Oh no, there's Q for Q that are identical in Zimmer's work. Yeah, but I never noticed those. I noticed them with Turner though. <laughs> do you, do you not notice the ones in Zimmer's? Okay, no, fair enough. And I feel like I've never seen anyone talk about Zimmer doing it, whereas I feel like I've seen a lot of people talk about Horner doing it. Mm, that's fair. Uh. Nothing specifically I think, I think Horner this, was a, he was a lot more open about it. Like he often was like, "Yeah, I did do this because a lot of the times, like now, where there was in this one, there was the, the time constraints. So he's very open that he did self plagiarize. Because mm. even even Avatar, there's a, like a little brass bit in Avatar's score that yeah, it's like the exact same thing he put in a war movie that he did like ten years before. Yeah, it's the exact yeah. same thing. Uh, but yeah. However, I think the score works, though. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I don't think it's anything particularly fantastic, though. I think it's very by-the-box. It does just what it needs to do, and it it just functions as as is, but it doesn't do... I don't think it's particularly memorable in of itself, unlike uh, a lot of his other work. Oh, yeah, I, I think compared to some of his other stuff, sure. Uh, that said, though, it, it, it never feels out of place. It never... Like, no, no, it, it doesn't. It always aids the movie when it's playing. Yeah. Uh, and there are times when it doesn't play for a while. Like the, the, the entire power loader fight is in silence. Well, not silence. Yeah. There's sound effects, but you know, there's no music. musical silence. Yeah, musical silence. Uh, and there's there's scenes like that throughout. But the uh, no, nah, it, it adds to it because sometimes because sometimes Cameron does this thing where he's like, no, I just want the sound of that motion tracker. Yeah. The you know the beeping and little yeah. pulsing noise that it makes. Uh, and that was great. That was like they took the thing in the first movie that had that big long thing. And it was like a, just a sort of nah sound as something went past it, and they gave it this screen, this form that gave you little dots on the screen, and it just it made. It I, I love how that sets the pulse of the scene as well. Just the beeps and the clicks. Oh yeah, it, there, there isn't any music, but that enough is on alone is enough to set the pulse. Oh yeah, uh, everything with the, the marines going in, and then later on when it's used, when you know the the, the, the aliens are coming into the ceiling. And yes, they're, they're like wait, they're like five meters away. That's in the room. That's not possible. Yeah, you need to start looking up and down. Yeah, uh, it's good stuff and a lot of really fun and inventive things like that. Uh, but no, so yeah, so we talk about music, talk about uh, sort of the, the, the design. Obviously, the monsters, the aliens look a little bit different than did in the last one. They get more ridges on them because Stan Winston came in and did the designs this time because uh, yeah. that's Cameron's guy. Uh, or it was at the time obviously Stan Winston passed away as has James Horner a lot of people who worked in this movie have passed away unfortunately uh, but he he came in designed the Queen and the power loader and all that stuff and obviously we, we, we get the setup, the tease for the power loader early on we establish that Ripley yeah. can use it and we get it at the end but it makes for a big climactic thing and it's the it's it's funny because you can see that Cameron does have these things that he really likes because the idea of a mech suit came in again in Avatar where he like all right we're now it's times ahead it's actually a military because this isn't actually supposed to be a fighting device it's just a yeah it's uh, just makeshift what, what what have we got around essentially it, it, it's essentially a forklift it's like a lot of glorified yeah. forklift uh, and that's what it is but uh, it all builds to that uh, so no. Uh, really tense really lots of great action I think one of the things I really like about this movie is just the, I mean, obviously the atmosphere sounds really generic thing to say, but it, 
it has that that it's oozing tone like the whole time. Yeah. Uh, as soon as they get on that planet, no, it's not got it before then. But before then, it's very clinical because she's. It in is the... very clean and clinical. It's a lot of like white walls. Yeah, and it contrasts really nice because as soon as they land on that planet, everything's wet and dirty. Uh, when when they're walking around the the complex, there's just random drips of things. Just there's yeah. a poor half-eaten donut that's just been dripped on. I think the the first chunk where it is all the the, the company stuff, all the white, it doesn't feel like it's lived in. It just feels like it's artificial, I, intentionally so. Oh yeah. Whereas when you as soon as you get to the planet, it's like no people have been living here for twenty years or whatever. You you can see it. And I think that works because the whole idea of Will and you can't Will and Jutani is this soulless corporation who wants to get the alien back and wants to do all this stuff. It's inhuman. So the yeah. idea that they live in this really clean, like unrealistic place. And then the real people who are being affected, it's you know, it's the rich and the poor. The poor yeah. are the ones who suffer because the the rich are playing games with things they shouldn't yeah. be. Uh, that, that's what it feels like. Uh, so so that, that's again another little intelligent part of design that that, that really works. But yeah, so as soon as they get there, everything's dripping, everything's dirty. Uh, again, you get that sense of something's went down, and you're slowly discovering. And because of what we know from the first film, when they find the face huggers in the tubes. And Bishop's like, oh, they, they killed someone, tried to take it off. I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that reaffirms something we learned from the, the first movie. Or at least we speculated, like, because we didn't know for sure, but Ash did say, I think this will kill him if we yeah. try and take it off. And this, this confirms it in yeah. sort of hindsight. And it, that, that, that sort of stuff's cool. It, it confirms some details, it builds some things, and it really opens up the world in that sense. So that's really cool. Uh, as, as for... Oh, I think the other thing we need to talk about actually is pacing. I think the movie is exceptionally well paced. Oh, definitely. To the point where I actually can't believe. Like, see when they they land on the planet, that's forty five minutes into the film. Really? I, I didn't realize it was quite that long. I was checking the time every so often just to see. Ah, uh, so I didn't go near the timer. In every so, in some movies, I will. In this one, I just didn't touch it. I was just curious because I've seen the movie so many times. Yeah. I think in your head, you feel like the that, that first 45 minutes is much shorter because you feel like, oh, the movie really starts when they get to the complex. Yeah, Everything... it feels maybe 20 to 30 minutes at most. Yeah, yeah. 20 is what it felt like to me. That's what I've always thought of it as. But no, it's like 45 minutes. I mean, sure, it's a special edition. There's an extra like five minutes maybe in there yeah. or so, but... It... It is a long time before you get there, but you don't feel it because everything's building up the characters. Everything's building to something's happened out there. We need to go and see yeah. what it is, and uh, and then similarly, like I think the movie just keeps building. It is very much a they they call it people call movies roller coaster rides, but it feels very well paced in that sense because they get in. There's a bit of thrills as they're looking around, but nothing's there. It's mysterious, mystery. They find that main sort of nest, and everything kicks up. You're actually coming down hard on one part of the roller coaster, uh, and that keeps going until after the ship crashes. And then we get a little bit of a breather because they find a sort of bit of recluse in the operations area, and that's when they seal everything off. And they kind of huddle themselves in. Connor has chronic hiccups. That's what that noise was. Uh, it'll happen every so often. Uh, but they, they hold themselves up in the the operations room. And they they kind of they bunker in they they get the sentry guns they get all that and they're trying to figure things out and that's when again the character stuff comes back into play, mm. but then once the aliens get there it's just a goddamn straight like adrenaline rush to the finish it's yeah. and it's up and down up and down uh, we lost you oh she's gone for good you know the shot of the alien coming up with the water behind her beautiful beautiful yeah, stuff absolutely uh, and all the rest of it and you get a bit of hope because Bishop goes out to try and remote the ship down, the, the, other, the other drop ship. And it just keeps going, it keeps going. And Ripley makes the choice to go back. And this sort of, just to sort of come full secure back into Ripley's character arc, is it kind of happened in the first movie where she chose to go back for the cat, right? Which is why yeah. I said Nuke is kind of like a a more personal extension of that. Mm. Uh, other cat's more important, let's, let's be honest to your people. I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to say anything there. I'm just going just gonna to let that sit there. Yeah. You, you don't have the cat talking in a stupid posh little accent saying they're coming at night mostly <laughs> alright fair enough uh, what is the accent because it's kind of like half American half English I can't really tell if I remember I think her parents are half like I think one parents uh, or she may have been an American girl who had been living right. in the UK when they cast her because there are certain lines especially when she says uh, let's go like that sounds very English. Mm. 
but then there's others that she just sounds like she's in America. I, I, I could I, never quite tell. I'm pulling this vaguely from memory from the documentary, but I think one of the either she just moved to the UK at a young age, so there was still some like American mm. accent bleeding in or whatever. But yeah, uh, she's good though. I'm 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 cracking jokes about her <laughs> voice, but yeah. she's actually quite good. She is. Uh, but yeah, so she makes Ripley makes the choice, and it's and it's not just a and it's not just about sneaking back through uh, she, she could leave she she could be safe she could leave the ship but she's going to go back for new and she, she obviously the, the ship has more guns and stuff on it so she gets the pulse rifle which Hicks showed her how to use uh, and we've had them obviously bonding throughout the movie he's, he's asked her a few times they have that moment where he agrees with her about nuking the, the site for more but uh, I really like that this is one of those things that especially in horror movies it feels like the characters will often overlook things for the sake of plot mm. Whereas this was like, no, let's just nuke them. That'll, that'll solve the problem. I like that it comes up. It's like, yeah, that that would work. Let's do that. And obviously, it never really goes wrong. But I, I like that they consider it and they try it. Yeah, that's what technically what happens anyway, just by happenstance. Because the and what, what I like is it's funny because when you I think when you watch it the first time, you maybe forget details from earlier on, and then but when you rewatch, you you pick up on the things where everything's actually seeded. They mention that they can't use live like the, the explosive ammo. Yes. Uh, where, where they were the nest because that's under the fusion reactor which could start a, an explosion and then when the, the the bishop points out the sort of the the fumes coming out he's like yeah the the crash from the ship is a started a chain reaction that's going to blow like yeah after a couple of hours and it's again it sets a ticking time bomb if things weren't bad enough with the aliens and try to keep them out now we're on a time limit before this I, place I really, the, the timer i don't know if it is exactly but if it says 15 minutes it feels pretty close to that i don't know if that's editing trickery that it's just like it, you feel it or if it is actually 15 minutes on the flip side actually see when ripley does go back in when she goes down the elevator there's only about 15 minutes left of the movie in total at that point yeah, which is kind of impressive because that that almost feels longer than it does because it's so tense. You're so wrapped up in what's going on that it feels like when when she's trying to like find you and get then get back, it feels like such a long trip because it's dangerous and like it's such a long way to safety. But like I say, yeah. she, she makes this decision to go in after you and she stalks up in the guns and it is this ultimate sort of I'm taking control here. And to the point where when she goes in there, and again, we mentioned how when she runs over the, the alien earlier with the, the APC, kind of similar thing when she goes in, and there's an alien almost gets her, and she shoots it and kills it that easily. And she shoots and kills another one, and it's like, she just took out two aliens. This was so hard in the last movie, and now she's like taking them out. And you almost run the risk of making them feel a bit weaker, and to, maybe to an extent they kind of are here, but that's okay because we're about to have the boss battle. So uh, I actually don't think it does make them feel weaker. I think you have to remember this is, what, 50-plus years? Technology has advanced. Oh, sure. They didn't even have guns, really, in, in, in the first movie. They didn't have Exactly. It's not even like... They had a flamethrower. Exactly. So it's not even like that they had just guns that weren't as good that they didn't have anything with them they were they weren't military they were just a yeah. shipping crew well that's kind of like how this movie approaches it it's like oh yeah one alien the moons could probably deal with but you've got a whole army of them they're going to get over yeah. overrun you, you nuking the site from orbit is the best course of action but she makes this choice and she, she takes them out and one of my favorite shots of the movie actually in terms of an acting moment from her is uh so they have this moment with no dialogue where she gets new and the aliens are about to attack her, and she sees the queen, and she thre- she basically threatens to flame the the eggs. Mm. You know, in fact, I love uh, how the sound drops out. By the way, because everything's very loud, and it, it drops down to just this airy sound as she. We don't see where she is yet, but she's looking around. She she's somewhere dangerous, and yeah. then we see the eggs. Fantastic stuff. Uh, but she she threatens the eggs, and the alien calls off. The queen calls off the other aliens. And yeah. it's like, oh, right, so you're building some sort of stuff here, but they, they actually do communicate. There is that level of intelligence here. There's some sort of hive mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it makes them back down. But one my favorite, my favourite shot of this entire scene is when Ripley backs up and she gets to the edge of the, the nest and she looks back up at the queen and she tilts her head and she just does it. She burns them all anyway. That yeah. moment where she decides that she's going to burn them all anyway is such a fantastic little acting moment. Yeah, it's, it's like, ah, you thought you thought I was going to let you go that easily, almost. It's all in the eyes. It's all in the head movement, obviously, but yeah. it's just, it's perfect. And it, it's almost like a, a revenge thing for all the people that have died because of because of the Queen. Yeah. 
but it's 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 perfect and uh, of course we go and we, we see the queen smart as well because the queen after it breaks off like it notices the elevator uh, because Ripley was stupid enough to press both buttons yep, which, yeah. which she does you see her do it you see her yeah. press both buttons uh, I, you know what I'd almost I'd almost uh, call a nitpick on the fact that the elevator should just be down from where she got off but to be fair you do see it start to go back up when she gets out of it so I'm mm. not sure why it automatically goes back up but they do establish that it does it doesn't come Maybe out it's nowhere. a safety feature you never know because of it's like a, it's a giant fusion reactor probably it may have something yeah. to do with that uh, exactly but it's the sort of thing where had they not shown it start to go up I may have said oh, that's a bit cheap that it's just not there for tension's sake but we see you it you saw we, it leave so, yeah. yeah you start, start to the, the editing I really love in that bit is when she's shooting the, the bullets and you, you see every song it just cuts to the ammo counter going down yeah. and down and down and it's the way it's cut it's fantastic that's one of those things as well is you may not think about it but that's such a genius idea put an ammo counter on the gun yeah Think in most movies, you never get to see how much ammo they get left. No, it's it's that, you just have their word for it once they're out there. Yeah, out. but this gives you like a, a visual thing. You can see how much ammo they've got, and same with the sentry guns later on, where it's just the ammo counter. That's almost the entire scene. Watching these sentry guns go down. Yeah, you know how how long can it hold this? Yeah, but then it goes back to the aliens' intelligence, where the aliens say, "This is dangerous. We have to find another way." Yeah. But we and see the, how low the ammo's yeah. gotten. Yeah, they they don't know it's actually safe now, but they don't know that. That's what yeah. Ripley even points it's, out. It's it's almost like a game of poker. Essentially, it's like yeah. oh, we know how much we've got, they don't. It's like who's going to call whose bluff first? Yeah, it's it's good. So it it builds more character at the aliens. The characters, the human characters themselves, all have arcs. Well, the main ones do. The the core group yeah. do. Uh, and like I say, the characters are all memorable. Great. Design, set design, effects, uh, gorgeous looking movie. Uh, you know, I, in general on the design, I think I still prefer the alien from the first one over the, the aliens in this, in general. Okay. But I love the design of the Queen. Yeah, uh, I do like the smoothness of the the, the, the original alien. Yeah. Uh, I would agree with that. I think I, think I prefer the, the setting of this one by a touch. Like, I, I love the Nostromo, don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> But it's just something about this place where there was families that's been like torn apart. Just it almost surprised me a little bit coming from you that because I know how much you like such a enclosed spaces as your settings. I still think this is though. I think enclosed space. It's it's a bit bigger, is all. It's a bit it? bigger. It's it's yeah, but is it is it really? Think about how big the Nostromo was, and then think about the fact that yeah, there's like two buildings that go. Th- back and forth in this one but i'm just thinking how long does that journey take her versus uh you know how long's the countdown on the nostromo when she's running back and forth the entire time so yeah, it feels sure. a lot less sure sure but it's still a bottle moving in the sense that it's the, it's the one structure in the surrounding area and it's too dangerous to go outside it's still yeah feel, especially when they get to that middle bit of the movie and they're just holed up in the operations and they seal themselves in and they're just in there for a good little while like yeah. it still feels very much like that that's fair yeah, even the third and fourth movies are kind of condensed to one location as well. Now that I'm thinking about it. I I can't speak to those yet. Obviously, yeah, we'll, we'll get there. I I think we're about ready. To ra- is there anything else you want to talk about? No, no, just it's a fantastic. Obviously, this is only the second time I'd seen this, and I thought oh, I hope it holds up. You know, obviously, not that it wouldn't hold up, but without the the wonder of seeing it for the first time, how would I feel about it? And oh, I feel pretty much the same. It's it held up. It, pretty strongly in that sense a couple of things i did notice actually on this viewing uh part of this is because it's blurry now and by the way the blue transfer is gorgeous if you, it is phenomenal if you've ever seen oh but you did you ever see the like the old prints of it like on dvd and stuff i'd have seen little clips here and there because it was one of those these are those movies that as i was younger i often yeah. saw little snippets of here and there the, but never properly well i watched the dvd a lot and the dvd was quite murky it was definitely the worst of the four in terms of the the, the visuals just in terms of the transfer mm. because it just it was shot in this grainy stock and the thing with blu-ray though of course and i'm sure this will only be enhanced by 4k is that it actually replica- replicates the grain properly because people confuse grain with noise and this is a grainy movie but it's gorgeous grain <laughs> if that makes any sense when you're watching it uh, but just a couple of things uh, I noticed, or one thing I noticed because of the, the blue green, when they're searching the complex at first, with the when they first get there, there's a bloody handprint on one of the doors, which I never noticed before. Mm. And I feel like a lot of movies would have focused on that. Did that give you a close up? 
But just the fact that it's just there in the background, it's subtle, but yeah. it adds to the, the atmosphere in general yeah. is what it does, and I really like that. Yeah, and then the other thing, this is something I noticed in this because I was looking for it. Uh, they actually made one small change for the Blu-ray. Hmm, okay. Uh, they fixed the mistake. <laughs> Go on. And the funny, here's the funny thing about this mistake. I only knew about this mistake because Cameron pointed it out in the commentary on the DVD. Back when I and when Cameron pointed out, he even said that it was it wasn't until the eighth or ninth time that he even noticed it because when you're watching the movie, you're so drawn into the, the the drama and the action that's happening on the scene that you never notice these things at the side. But it's actually at the end of the movie when uh, Ripley opens the, uh, the 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 airlock mm. and Nuke goes flying across the floor. And Bishop, who's like split in half at this point, goes to grab her. You could clearly see Lance Henriksen's body under the floor, like lift up as he goes to grab her. It was really oh, obvious. And I was looking for it this time, and it's not there anymore. They've digitally <laughs> taken out his body. So th- that that was actually reminds me of something else that I loved that um, when Bishop gets stabbed through the chest, obviously by the the tail, mm. and it's so reminiscent of the chest burst. Mm, yeah. So it feels like such a, a gorgeous callback because that's what kickstarts the events in that movie and it's the end of the events in this movie that's yeah. it's just this really nice symmetry actually even just the the fact that it opens with a, a dream of ripley having the chest buster and then the first woman they find in the cocoon is saying the same thing that she was in the dream which is a kill me kill me yeah. and ripley knows how dangerous this is how what, what she, why is she saying that yeah uh, I, lo- I love aliens to absolute death i i have nothing but obviously i've picked a couple of minor nitpicks but that's just after watching it so many times it's hard impossible not to find something to yeah pick apart character's great cast is great obviously we mentioned paxton and weaver uh, michael bean and lance henriksen are both uh, cameron regulars as well they're both great uh jeanette goldstein is vasquez is great uh, paul reiser of course is, is bur- it's, just, it's a fantastic cast it is no one drags it down at all and it, it, it's a movie that I think in anyone else's hands could have... Like, there's been so many imitators over the years. Mm. But Aliens really is the perfect movie for what it is. Like, for what it's trying to do, it accomplishes it in... It's, it's why I find it so hard to say which one I prefer over this or Alien. Because both of them do exactly know what they're trying to do, and they do it to perfection. But what they're doing is just two very different things. It's down to taste. It's down to it pure is. taste. It's just, it's just, ah, do you prefer horror action at that point? I'd, I'd argue they're both horror, to be honest, but this one's more of an action. That's more Aliens, more of a gothic horror movie. This is more of a an action horror movie. Yeah, I mean, it has horror elements, but it's not necessarily scary. Whereas Alien could be. It, it, you know, it has. There's, there's not. Oh, it's sure. very rare that there's pure fear in this one. But the, but the, the atmosphere is they're searching for what's happened yeah. here. It, that's pure horror. It's, it it's, is. It is. It's pure horror movie. Ripley, even though they kept the main, it's a, it's a horror movie where by the end of the movie, the main character gets powerful enough to take on the threat. That is the yes. one thing that makes it feel less of a horror movie. Is at the end when Ripley goes with that flamethrower on the pulse rifle, or even more so when she yeah. breaks out that power loader and she's like, "Get away from her, you bitch." It's exactly. So we're not going to do which is better. There's no point. It's it's down to taste. You you, you can have your own preferences. Uh, I will say, if I'm thinking about it, I feel like Aliens is aiming higher. Yeah? Just purely because there's actually the, the like Ripley's arc and the, the character arcs and maybe some of the commentary that it's got there that it's trying to say. Whereas Alien, it felt like the, the original script was, this is a B-monster movie, but it's, the Alien's just killing people one by one. And then the director and the style came in and made it. Like okay, yeah, the I can perfect, see that. Perfected sense whereas of this that. was something more from the ground up. Yeah, whereas Cameron was trying to say something uh, with his story. Yeah, okay, I could see that. Well, not actually gets higher than Alien did is another question, but I think I think maybe from the inception there was a an attempt to at making it mm. something else. But no, uh, glorious, glorious uh, ratings are going to be very easy. Uh, ten out of ten from me is phenomenal one of my favorites yeah and obviously we didn't actually rate alien i don't think back then i can't remember did we i don't think, I don't think we'd started ratings then had we maybe not no. we? i don't know well that was a 10 too well yeah that was just <laughs> either way it's same for me both tens yeah both tens they're, they're both they're, they're both perfect perfect as perfect as you can get examples of what they're they're doing yeah uh and god damn god damn Excellent. Yeah. Fills me with joy every time I'm watching it. Right from the start, I get sucked in. 
even to the scenes that I think if, if you're younger watching, you think, oh, maybe this early meeting stuff's boring. Every part of it, I'm just into. I'm drawn in. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, that is Aliens. Let us know what you think of Aliens in the comments below. A like and subscribe and all that stuff. It helps us out a lot if you do. Uh, get us on Twitter at mail underscore fuzz for channel updates. Individual Twitters, I'm at Wibble89. Connor's at ConnorRyan94 uh, for your sort of general ramblings from us. Say, say for Alien 3. Uh, don't don't go out at night because they come out at night mostly and if they get to space no one will hear you scream blah 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 got any more there? well no I'll, I'll add a new one for the third one uh, it just gets longer every time does it? Uh, although I don't, I don't think the third one has anything cool to say <laughs> oh that, that fills me with such <laughs> promise for watching that I don't think there's any cool lines well the, the Goddamn, the, the goddamn uh, tagline and the, or the the thing it said in the original trailer was in Earth everyone can hear you scream and that sounded really cool. It was like, oh, we're going to Earth for the third one. They didn't. <laughs>